reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he may grant you in accord with the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit and the inner self, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the holy ones what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verbum Domini. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures, he gives me repose. Beside restful waters, he leads me. He refreshes my soul. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side with your rod and your staff that give me courage. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. Dominus Vobiscus, Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matthew. Glory 
At that time, Jesus answered, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. Today, the church offers a couple of optional memorials from which to choose between St. Hedwig and St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. And so we will focus on St. Margaret Mary, especially because of her propagation of the devotion of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a devotion that has not only endured for over 400 years, but has never seemed to wane in popularity among the faithful. The image of the Sacred Heart is perhaps one of the most readily recognizable and can be found in the homes of many Catholics around the world. The message associated with the Sacred Heart, devotion, was not only appropriate for the time of St. Margaret Mary, but is also greatly needed in our own time. It is a message of the love, mercy, grace, tenderness, and compassion of our Lord. And his compassionate heart is full of love for all people, for all sinners. Devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus began to grow <clears throat> during a time in France in the 17th century when the love of God among men and women had grown cold. At the time, this devotion almost seemed to be a response to the heresy of Jansenism, which could be which had been steadily growing for years after the death of Cornelius Jansen, whose writings were the inspiration behind the heresy's growth and dissemination. Now at the time of his death, Jansen had remained united to the orthodox teaching of the church and had not formally embraced heresy. Unfortunately, his famous work entitled Augustinus formed the basis for the development of this heresy later referred to as Jansenism. And it adheres to a notion of predestination that is reminiscent of Calvinism. Basically, the Jansenists believed that God's grace is only bestowed on certain people who are predestined for salvation, while his grace is withheld from others. And this heresy led to a kind of rigid Puritanism that placed strong emphasis on strict ascetical practices such as severe penances. The Jansenists also believed that only those who are perfect should receive the Eucharist, and that only perfect contrition suffices in the sacrament of penance. In other words, a person who is conscious of any sin, not just mortal sin, 
should refrain from communion. And a person can only be forgiven of their sins in confession if their contrition is moved by a perfect love for God and not for any other motives, including a fear of punishment. This is, of course, contrary to the church's teaching that imperfect contrition, that is, sorrow for our sin out of a fear of punishment, is sufficient for the forgiveness of sins in confession. Suffice it to say that many people were discouraged from receiving the sacraments more frequently than they ought. And those who adhered to Jansenism tended to suffer from spiritual pride and regarded themselves as superior to other Catholics. They also refused to submit to ecclesiastical authority, including the Holy Father. And what is perhaps most notable about the devotion, the development of the devotion of, sac of the Sacred Heart, is that it was manifested to St. Margaret Mary as she was engaged in prayer before the exposed Blessed Sacrament on the altar. She sensed the presence of God and could hear the voice of Jesus speaking to her clearly. He told her that she was his chosen instrument to spread devotion to his sacred heart and to make his love known to all people, all people. From its inception, we can see that the sacred heart devotion is intimately connected with the Holy Eucharist. In fact, our Lord told Margaret Mary to make reparation for the ingratitude of men by receiving communion frequently especially on the first Friday of each month, and by making a holy hour every Thursday night in memory of the Lord's agony in the garden. And what is especially remarkable about Margaret Mary is her humility. Even as she receives these sublime mystical experiences and revelations, you know, it doesn't go to her head. She was known for her docility and always submitted herself to the authority of her religious superiors and to ecclesiastical authority, contrary to the Jansenists. She would never do or reveal anything without the permission or approval of her superiors. And she was able to recognize the will of God for her in the will of her superiors. In one of the revelations given to St. Margaret, during the, feast of the, of the octave, or during the octave of the feast of Corpus Christi, our Lord said to her, behold this heart which has so loved men that it spared nothing, even going so far as to exhaust and consume itself, to prove to them its love. And in return, I receive from the greater part of men nothing but ingratitude by the contempt, irreverence, sacrileges, and coldness with which they treat me in the sacrament of love. He then requested that a feast in honor of his sacred heart be observed on the Friday after the feast of Corpus Christi, that an act of reparation be offered on that day, and that the reception of Holy Communion be encouraged. The feast of the sacred heart would be established as a universal feast in the church nearly 200 years later. And it's important to note the intricate connection that exists between the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. 
So by, by, by its nature, at its core, this devotion is Eucharistic. In one of her letters to her superior, St. Margaret Mary relates a beautiful message from the Blessed Mother that speaks of the unfathomable mercy of her divine son, Jesus. And this message is intended for Margaret's entire community, the Daughters of the Visitation. She says, come my well-beloved daughters, draw near, for I want, you, I want to make you the trusted guardians of this precious treasure which the divine Son of Justice formed within the virginal soil of my heart, where it lay hidden nine months. After that, it was manifested to men, but they did not recognize its value and condemned it because they saw it mixed and covered with the clay of their humanity. Onto it, the Eternal Father had cast all the filth and corruption of our sins. These he caused to be purified away for 33 years by the burning flames of charity. But seeing that men, far from enriching themselves and making use of so precious a treasure for the purpose for which it was given them, but rather trying to set it at naught and exterminate it, if possible from the face of the earth, the Eternal Father, by an excess of mercy, made use of their malice only to render yet more useful this precious gold. By the blows they gave it in his passion, they have made of it priceless money, stamped with the image of the divinity, so that with it they might pay their debts and carry on the great business of their eternal salvation. So in this poetic way, these words summarize the depths of God's love and mercy for us. Even as we show such disdain, such a lack of love and such ingratitude for our Lord's saving grace, this becomes yet another occasion for God to pour out even greater love on us. The sacred heart of Jesus stands as an everlasting reminder that God has not sent his son into the world to condemn the world, that the world might be saved through him. And so thanks to the messages relayed through his faithful servant, St. Margaret Mary, we have yet another reassurance of God's love, his tenderness, and his compassion. His grace is not meant for a select group of spiritual elites, but for all people. The love of Christ's sacred heart is made available for all, especially for those souls on the peripheries of society. That is, those who lack confidence and mercy, confidence in the mercy of God. There is no fault, sin, or shortcoming that is beyond the healing forgiveness of our Lord. All our sins can be immersed in the vast ocean of his mercy. And once we become convinced of the activity of our Lord's loving and saving grace in our lives, then the fire of his own sacred heart can spread to our own hearts and transform them into conduits of mercy for the benefit of others.